Prepare to be inspired, challenged, and enlightened. It's time to awaken your inner healer, your true warrior. Welcome to the Mindfulness Medic Podcast. Your journey starts now. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Mindfulness Medic Podcast. Hope everyone's having a great, fantastic February. We're going to get a little dark on this one. Just a little forewarning. Just a little pre-warning for anyone out there not in the mood to listen to some dark stuff. But you know what? It's not just dark. It's also inspirational because through the darkness and through the adversity I've faced in my life, I have come through to the other side to a point in my life where I'm truly starting to break down and break through those barriers I had previously throughout my life for the majority of my life. Suffering from all those inner demons, all those skeletons in the closet, all those things that were dark and dismal, those blemishes in my life that I never wanted to surface and I always tried to keep suppressed. But the thing I didn't realize was that trying to keep all of that stuff suppressed and hidden and buried deep down inside was only causing me massive issues in my life, manifesting in my inability to show up as a husband, a father, as just generally a happy person. That person that I wanted to be so badly, but I just couldn't ever seem to be. It was just always out of my reach. I've talked about my journey into therapy here on the podcast a couple times. And uh, for anyone not up to date, I started therapy back in uh, late October. And this was a personal journey of mine, uh, just through some conversations with Angela, my wife, and coming to the realization that I had a lot of demons and a lot of stuff that I needed to start working on in order to better serve my family. And uh, so I got into therapy, first responder focused therapy. So I've been working through a lot of job related things. But as I've been doing that, I started to realize that there was a lot of stuff that I thought was just tied to my job and the diagnosis of complex PTSD that I got the first night in therapy session. But I started to realize that it had its roots. A lot of these things in my mind and in my psychology and, and the things that I was feeling had its roots that traveled far back into my childhood, that had its impetus in my childhood and adverse events and traumas that I experienced back then. And these were things that I had, again, I had kept suppressed and hidden and buried deep down inside because they were just things that made me uncomfortable to talk about. There were things I never opened up to anyone about except very select people that were close to me. And through the process of going through therapy over some of these events, some of these really big traumatic events in EMDR, I've been able to finally feel free from the burden of these thoughts and the the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment surrounding all of these things. And I feel like I can openly talk about some of these things in order to help other people who might be experiencing similar events in their life. So one of the common things that I've found in first responders is that there are a lot of there's a large prevalence of first responders who have suffered adverse childhood events, childhood trauma. And one of the big things coming up in, in recent literature and the studies is the ACEs score. And that's essentially the adverse childhood events scoring system, a one through 10, one zero being no adverse childhood trauma and 10 obviously being the worst. And I took the test and I was a seven. Now, statistically, based upon all of that and all of the things I experienced, I shouldn't even be here talking to you guys. Because most people, they don't triumph over the shit that I went through and not only live to see another day later down the road, but live to the point where they're actually flourishing, where they're transcending above and beyond all of that dark stuff that they experienced. And that's the thing, is that you need to get to a point in your life where you just refuse to live in that 
version of yourself anymore, to live in that victim story and to blame everything in your life on your circumstances and the things that happened to you throughout your life and your childhood and realize that personal growth and transformation, it's about having accountability for yourself in your situation and realizing that some things, yes, might've been out of your control and there are some really nasty things and terrible, horrible things that happen to people, but it's our choice and our choice alone. If we decide to be consumed by those things or to prevent those or have those things prevent us from living the life that we want to live or living that life to our highest purpose and potential. And I got to that point where I refused to live that way. And that was the point two years ago where I started down my transformative journey and developed my six pillars that I use to leverage against all of that stuff, all of those bad experiences to be that person that I want to be to live that life that is congruent to the man that I want to become for myself, for my family and other people who depend on me. So my childhood, I suffered and experienced a lot of dark things. I was bullied a lot physically and emotionally. I was moved around from schools multiple times throughout my childhood. Between the years of kindergarten and fourth grade, I went to seven different elementary schools. And I remember struggling a lot as a kid with making friends and developing all sorts of social anxiety because of that stuff. And it made it difficult. It made it difficult for me to feel like I belonged or that I was, that I was worthy and good enough. So up until about second grade, I had a pretty, a pretty good childhood. It was from what I can remember, fairly normal, like a normal standard picturesque childhood full of curiosity, wonder, excitement, and just that innocence until I started experiencing some darkness in life and the sinister side of life. I had made acquaintances with an older boy in the neighborhood out of some desperation to make friends again, because I was really bad at making friends. So I would kind of cling on to the first person that showed me any sort of inkling that they would be friendly with me. So eventually down the line, this older boy, he ended up sexually molesting me in the woods, just down the road from where I lived. And he told me if I told anyone that he would kill me. So at that age, I was absolutely terrified, petrified of what could possibly happen. So I kept, kept my mouth shut about it and went about my life. And then he did it again, sometime later, again, in the woods, close to my house. And again, he told me if I told anyone, he would kill me. So living with that as a young child, being completely scared and terrified and not certain of what way is up and what way is down and feeling alone, the shame and the guilt and the feeling of not being protected, of not being safe. Because I would go home and my parents didn't know what was going on. But I think over time they started to notice the subtle changes in my behavior. I was withdrawn. I was acting you know, quiet and to myself and reserved and, and just kind of depressive. And until one day, you know, my mom sat me down and she's, she's like, what happened? So I finally kind of got to telling her what I had experienced. And after that, nothing happened because the boy who did it, he was a minor and just, just the way the legal system works, I guess, back then in the nineties, I remember feeling like my parents were just ashamed of me. Like I had made a huge mistake and they were just kind of unsure of how to, how to deal with it, how to deal with that situation. So I carried on with life like 
nothing had happened, but obviously major events did happen in my childhood. So then not too long after that, I experienced just more bullying from kids in the neighborhood. One kid in particular, I remember one day after we were playing, he had a knife and he was following me down a trail saying that if I ran, he was going to catch me and he was going to stab me and kill me. So I dealt with all sorts of weird violence and bullying when I was a kid. We ended up moving to Arizona for a short period of time when I was in third and fourth grade. And I remember one of the three schools that I went to out there, the first day of school, I showed up and I saw a bunch of kids out on a soccer field playing soccer. And at the time I was big into playing soccer. So that was kind of my way of introducing myself and trying to make some new friends at this new scary school that I was at. So I ran up to the soccer field and I was standing there and, and the kids were playing soccer and nobody was coming up to me. Uh, I was kind of just standing there by myself. And then all of a sudden I feel this sharp crack on the right side of my head and I collapsed to the ground and I woke up all blurry visioned and tears in my eyes wondering what had happened. And there was this kid standing over me. He's just looking down at me and then he walks away. And this kid, he had just walked up to me and he'd punched me in the side of the head, right, right, right on the side of my right ear, just walked up and sucker punched me, and dropped me to the ground. And to this day, my jaw cracks every time I move it from that one kid who decided to punch me, decided to give me the big welp welcoming party to the new school. Arizona was a brutal rough place for a kid my age that was not used to that type of environment. There were some pretty rough and rugged people in that area. And thankfully, not much other violence occurred to me besides also, for some reason, I had a propensity to attract people that said that wanted to kill me because there was this other instance where a kid, we got dropped off from the bus stop and as I was walking up towards my house, I had to walk like a mile, mile and a half from the bus stop to my house up into the hills in Yavapai Hills in Prescott. This kid follows me with this thing poked in the, in, into my back and he said it was he said it was a gun and that if I turned around he was going to shoot me. So again, being at that age, I was terrified and petrified. And he did that all the way up until I got to my road where I finally just ran as fast as I could, terrified, to my house. So I have this common theme in my childhood apparently where I didn't feel safe, I didn't feel loved, I didn't feel good enough, I didn't feel worthy, I felt unprotected, I felt violated, I felt like the world was this big, scary place that constantly wanted to hurt me. And my parents, they, they tried their best. And they loved me the best that they could, but they also had all of their own baggage. They had their own problems they were struggling through in their own marital issues and their own personal issues. Lots of temperament, lots of yelling in my house when I was a kid. Having countertops cleared off, things thrown at me, objects thrown out the window out of anger and rage. There was a lot of alcohol use in my house and I would fair to guess a fair amount of mental health issues that went undiagnosed for a long time. And I don't blame them. I don't blame my parents. I still love them unconditionally. And that's part of the healing journey that I've been through is learning that it's not my parents' fault, that we're all human and that my parents are human too. And that everyone makes mistakes and, and everyone does the best that they can with the, the tools and the knowledge and the experience that they have. And my parents, they did that. They were only raising me as well as they knew how to based upon how they were raised from their parents. So despite all of those big, massive events in my life, 
And those were just the ones during my younger childhood. Those aren't the events that even get into my later teenage years or, or any of that, or including my parents' divorce or all of the issues and trauma that I experienced through a previous marriage that I was in when I was young and very ignorant and very, frankly, stupid, and a suicide attempt that wound me up in the hospital where I legitimately should have died after taking a fatal dose of Tylenol and chasing it with three quarters of a bottle of Jack Daniels. And the reason I'm here speaking to you guys today is because my brother found me in my bedroom puking my brains out and found the suicide note. Now I say all of that and I share all of that, not for woe is me, not for my life is so hard, not for any sort of sympathy or pity party or not to diminish anyone else's experiences. I share all of that as a message of hope that I experienced all of those events throughout my childhood and I still made it out to the other side to the point I'm at today where I can sit here and confidently talk about all of my experiences without any shame, without any guilt, without any remorse and fully, truly believing in my heart for the first time ever in my life because of the therapy that I've been going through over the last couple months that I am good enough, that I do feel love, that I'm worthy of love and that I am proud of every single thing that I have accomplished in my life up until this point. And I am proud of the places that I'm going and I am proud of the things that I'm doing. And it has taken me 38 years of life to be able to sit here and confidently say that I feel those things. And I'm not just sitting here talking those words out into the ether like so many people do where they'll say they're happy or they say they have shit figured out or they'll say that they're, they're proud of themselves where deep down inside when the camera's not on, when no one's looking, they don't feel that way at all. Or they're hiding and running from things in their life like I did for so long, lying about the fact that they're tormented on the inside with the darkness, with the depression, with the suicidal thoughts, with that constant nagging urge and thought that they're not good enough, that they're a burden. You see, I no longer feel those things anymore. I have the normal self-limiting beliefs and fears every once in a while like everyone else, but for the most part, I am truly starting to find peace joy and happiness in my life. And it wasn't that way for me for a very long time. And I credit that to the journey that I've been on since 2020 and everything I've talked about, about how I developed that voice in my head that said I was running out of time. I was trying to raise a family and trying to show up as a husband and I wasn't doing it because I was living in my victim story because I was attached to these traumas and these experiences that I had when I was a kid that I didn't realize were still affecting me well into my adulthood. And I was just blaming everything else for my situation, my job, my boss, my PTSD, the traumatic calls at work. I was blaming all of that for the problems and, and the things that I was experiencing. And it took me until recently to realize that I was living a lie, that I was just ignorant. I wasn't willfully living the lie. It was just, that was the way my reality had been framed. And by using my six pillars over the last few years, I have been able to transform my life. I talk about these six pillars all the time and I know to some people it can just seem like I'm trying to promote a product or that is kind of just this like superficial aspect of my life. It's like, oh, six pillars. But these six pillars have literally saved my life. They have changed my life. They have given me the foundation, the foundation I needed to be able to finally sit here and say that I'm proud of myself, sit here and say and believe that I'm good enough. And that I'm worthy of love. That those six pillars have given me that ability to recognize and realize those things in life. That I didn't have to live in that darkness anymore. 
And I wanted to share them with everyone in order to help people who are in that darkness too, just like I was, realize that there's a way out, that there's a lifeline, that help is on the way and it's here, that you don't have to feel stranded anymore. And that's why I talk so incessantly about my six pillars and my journey and my story is to only help try to inspire one person to recognize that there is light on the other side of that darkness. So if you're out there struggling, especially as a first responder, someone in healthcare, and you're just wondering what that next move is for yourself, and you've not looked into therapy or other modalities, I highly suggest, highly, highly suggest you find a first responder-focused therapy, a first responder-focused therapist, and start working on yourself. And start addressing those things in your life and in your past, more specifically, that are affecting you up until this day, that are contributing to those things that you're feeling. Because you're worth it. Because you're worth it. And people are depending on you. And you deserve to be happy. So as usual, I truly appreciate all the support. I have so much gratitude for the messages I get on social media. For the pictures I get sent to me of the Mindfulness Medic logos and, and swag and the t-shirts and the stickers out in the wild on people's water bottles next to the fire truck or the ambulance or you know the messages I get from people all the time just saying that they feel inspired and they feel they feel like the messages help them through something in their life that's the whole reason I created mindfulness medic for no other reason but to try to inspire and improve lives and to build resilience in the mind body and spirit so if what I'm doing resonates, if you, if you found any value from this at all, just throw me a review, click the little star up on the rating, tell a friend, tell a homie, tell a family member, tell a colleague, anyone who you think might benefit from this, just share the message because we're here to build each other up. We're here to heal and we're here to live. So until next time, stay mindful.